Hello there. I'm Siobhan McClay, she, her. And I'm Jen Jackson, she, her. This is season two of Embodiment for the Rest of Us, a podcast series exploring topics within the intersections that exist in fat liberation. In this show, we interview professionals and those with lived experience alike to learn how they are affecting radical change and how we can all make this world a safer and more welcoming place for those living in larger bodies and those historically marginalized who should be centered, listened to, and supported. Captions and content warnings are provided in the show notes for each episode, including specific timestamps, so that you can skip triggering content anytime that feels supportive to you. This podcast is a representation of our co-host and guest experiences and may not be reflective of yours. These conversations are not medical advice and are not a substitute for mental health or nutrition support. In addition, the conversations held here are not exhaustive in scope or depth. These topics, these perspectives are not complete and are always in process. These are just highlights. Just like posts on social media or any other podcast, this is just a glimpse. We are always interested in any feedback on this process if something needs to be addressed. You can email us at listener, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, at embodimentfortherestofus.com. And now for today's episode. Hello there to you, our wonderful listeners, and welcome to the 11th episode and last interview in our second season of the Embodiment for the Rest of Us podcast. On today's episode, we have Jen McClellan, she, her, here to talk about her experiences and work around plus-size pregnancy, birth, travel, and embodiment. Jen McClellan, CBE, is a published author, founder of Plus Size Birth, and host of the Plus Mommy podcast. She helps people navigate the world of plus-size pregnancy, shares tips for embracing your body, and laughs her way through the adventures of parenthood. With over 7 million page views, Plus Size Birth is the premier plus-size pregnancy resource trusted by parents and professionals. The Plus Mommy podcast has over 280,000 downloads and was named one of the best pregnancy podcasts of 2022 by The Bump. Jen's work has been featured in major publications, including the New York Times, Glamour, and Huffington Post. As a public speaker, Jen has been featured at numerous events, including presenting at the National Institutes of Health. Jen is also a certified childbirth educator, wife, and mother to a charismatic 12-year-old. You can find links to Jen's websites, social media, and the My Size Friendly Care Providers Guide, a free guide on how to connect with a size-friendly care provider in this episode's show notes. Thank you so much for being here, listening, and holding space with us, dear listeners. And now for today's episode. This second season has included several chances to fangirl and chat with other podcast hosts, and today is no exception. I'm so excited. With us today is Jen McClellan, she, her, of Plus Mommy Podcast and the blog Plus Size Birth. She is joining us from right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and there are so many things to explore together as we navigate embodiment together. And now let's get present to your humanity. How are you doing today, Jen? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I wish we were all in the same room together. That would be a lot of fun, but I'm excited to be here. How am I doing? You know, I feel like I could be like, I'm fantastic, but let's be real. Um, I am exhausted. I have and real on Instagram going viral right now on traveling while plus size. And because of that, I'm being inundated with fat phobic trolls. And it is non-stop because the reel has hit over uh, 2.5 million plays and it's done so much good, but it's just exhausting to be continuously attacked. So that's that's mm. where I'm at today. I was even deleting stuff right before I started this recording with you because I want to create a safe space for my audience that they're not seeing these horrific things, but I have to see them. So that's where I'm at today. I'm so sorry that's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good that positive information about traveling while plus size is out in the world and so many people are viewing it and sharing it. Mm-hmm. It just always brings forth just a lot of unnecessary hate and awfulness that is just rough to take on. Yeah. I'm so sorry. We're holding space for you for sure. Yeah. How can, how can, is there any way we can support you? No, this is great. 
connecting with <laughs> like-minded individuals always feeds my soul. So this is, this is a nice break. <laughs> oh, great. Well, we're so Same. glad to have you. I'm such yeah. a fan. So I'm really excited. <laughs> Um, as we start this conversation about being present to and in our bodies, I'd like to start with asking our usual centering question about the themes of our podcast and how they occur to and for you. Can you share with us what embodiment means to you and what your embodiment journey has been like, if you'd like to share that? Yeah. Embodiment to me is being present in my body. Mm. And that's something that I fought against for the first 30 years of my life. Very entrenched in diet culture and self-loathing. I grew up in Southern California and I imagine it's hard to grow up anywhere (laughs) existing in a larger body. But I, um, you know, existed in a place where looking a certain way that is unobtainable for most people is highlighted and uh, it was rough. And I really didn't tune into my body until I became pregnant at the age of 30 and realized a lot of, you know, self-harming things that I had been doing around food, especially that I couldn't do anymore because I was caring for someone else. But then I realized why wasn't I doing this for myself and loving myself in these ways. And it was a really transformative experience for me to really sit back and realize how, how many years I'd wasted not loving myself. Hmm. Oh, that's really I, was, I was feeling both the loss and then the, the, what has come after. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Southern California. My dad was in the air force. So I spent five years there as a kid and I chose to go back to do my master's degree and train to be a dietitian, and then chose to leave for the exact same reasons that you were just talking about Yeah. the beauty standard as a way of life. Uh, how young can we stay? How thin can we stay? Um, how can we show people that we're healthier than them? Sort of body as status symbol was not for me. I got bored, which means I got irritated and frustrated. And then I left. <laughs> I came yeah. back to New Mexico, actually. Um, so I was just relating to that also. Yeah, it was hard. I left when I was 19. I went to college out of high school. I went to community college and I called it high school with cigarettes. Um, (laughs) I think that dates my age because you could still smoke on campus. And I just longed for an adventure. So I moved to Denver when I was 19. And that really helped me to see, oh, like the rest of the world isn't always caught up in these aesthetics. Of course, as a whole, absolutely. But um, yeah, I just, I was shown a different way that it didn't have to be always me going into debt to try to buy clothes that didn't even fit right to look like everyone else. And I could just, I could just be me and that's okay. (laughs) Mm. And Albuquerque, Mm. even more so, I feel like you can just show up in the world and it's okay. (laughs) Most of the time. Right. Yes. It's one of the things I truly love about living here. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Even with the allergies I have to endure. (laughs) Right. I know. Exactly. I can't breathe, but I'm really happy here. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely place for community of all kinds. And as as I'm growing and learning um, and doing that for uh, being a dietitian, being an intuitive eating counselor, just being a person who cares about everyone having access, there's an ease here that I have not found anywhere else professionally or personally. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And a consideration like the other day I was out with my husband and just at the gas station and this person like literally turned around and walked back to like, hold the door open for me. And it was just like, thank you. <laughs> and I don't feel like I experienced it that much in California as I do uh, in other areas of the world. So, and the country, especially. Yeah. I definitely also identified with the idea of pregnancy, really encouraging your sense of embodiment. I think that that was a huge turning point for myself too, having to yeah. care for someone else in a, because I biologically gave birth. I'm not trying to make an assumption for everyone. I wanted to say that to make sure it's more inclusive, but as someone who biologically gave birth, it became really important for me to nourish myself in a different way. Um, and to stop those messages because I didn't want my kids to grow up in a home where there were really negative messages about bodies and negative messages about food. So that really sits mm-hmm. with me too. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that. And I also think beyond focusing on how we nourish our bodies, for me, it was touching my body, Mm, touching mm -hmm. my belly, touching Mm -hmm. an area of my body that 
for so long had been a, you know, space where I held shame and embarrassment. Yes. And then to find myself like walking through the grocery store, like rubbing my belly. And yeah. I didn't care if people just thought I was hungry. I was rubbing right. on my baby. And that really helped me to step into into my body more and be like, my body's awesome. And my belly shouldn't be an area that I'm ashamed of. My body mm. is amazing and you don't have to be pregnant to experience it. That was just the, the catalyst for me. Yeah. I still find myself rubbing my belly when yes. I need some extra <laughs> tender care. I'm like, Oh, mm. I love you. <laughs> my kids squish it. Like it's just a really yes. happy body, body part for me now. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good pillow for them. <laughs> Totally. Yes. And that, that resonates with me just thinking about an everyday moment of like coming out of the shower in a super dry place like New Mexico and needing lotion on this body immediately because I've like, I'm like evaporating. It's like, it doesn't work that, that loving space of, of rubbing your belly of, um, caring like for your skin in general, just like that kind of everyday space. I was, I was really relating to that also and thinking about, um, which I think is important because something that I was getting from your description of your embodiment journey is that like not feeling present in that for 30 years, it starts with like, which everyday things are, are accessible to you there for you. Um, do you notice that you're doing now when there's a major shift or whatever kind of sparks that journey? So I was sitting with that too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it also was finally being treated with compassion by healthcare providers. And that that was one of my biggest takeaways. Like I, I switched from the obstetrical model of care, working with an OB to a midwife, a midwifery practice, a hospital-based midwifery practice five months into my pregnancy. And it was such a just completely different care experience, unlike anything I'd ever had in my life. Like my midwife, I I say, when I speak publicly, um, my midwife touched my body with compassion. Mm. And that was the first time I had experienced a care provider touching me in that way. And I was 30 and she made me feel so empowered and that my body, I remember being like, Oh, I I read online that big girls have big babies. And she's like, yeah, that's what your hips are for. You can birth a big baby. And I'm like, Oh, and she talked about nutrition in a way that, you know, you do on your show and in the work that you do, um, just in a, you know, more holistic, not a diet focused way. And it just opened up so many doors for me to be like, wow, like reframing so many messages in my life that I hope to carry on throughout, you know, my journey as a parent, but also within the work that I do as well. Mm. Lovely. Okay, I'm, I'm fangirling like every five seconds. Same. I just want to that. Okay. <laughs> Same. Um, as a human being, how has this pandemic affected your embodiment practices in ways that challenge your process? And also, has there been anything that feels like it connected you further? What lights you up about your work? And when are you feeling most embodied? Sorry, that's a lot of questions at once. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, starting with the pandemic, at first, it was a real mental health reality of I need help. And it took, it took way too long over a year for me to finally, but I didn't have a care provider that wasn't fat phobic. So I finally sought out a doctor here and was able to feel comfortable enough with them to be like, I'm really struggling. Like this is really hard. And to get on mental health medication that I love and has been so life-changing for me and also exploring my community and getting out and walking. So I had to face a lot of hard things, but in the end, it made me, I think, a stronger and more well-rounded individual. Um, From a parenting perspective, it has been um, very hard. I see we're on video, so Siobhan's like, you know, not being here. Um, Really hard to face my kids' own mental health struggles um, in a way that, of course, we've always talked about the importance of mental health and never trying to stigmatize it, but to be like, wow, I'm really concerned about my kiddo in a way I never have been before, and how can I best support them, Um, and how you know, feeling like my kiddo's childhood is robbed and they're only playing with friends online. And it was very isolating and hard. So we, we did fun things. We thought outside the box and we created these memories and moments that I know that he'll look back on with joy. And that makes me happy. So it's been a roller coaster, but I would say it's been that for, for most of us, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. 
um, thinking about being a parent in a pandemic, um, especially when it feels challenging to be outside of your body, your mind, it's almost like embodiment or bodies become a way of connection, even if it's not literally literal skin to skin contact. Um, I was just sort of reflecting as you were talking, how much it surprised me, how connecting virtual spaces can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the same. I still long for the in-person time, but it really surprised me. I think I would have never really realized that without, um, the pandemic and for people where it's not accessible to come to an office space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really opened that up for me in the future. And also for myself, um, to receive medical care over video, especially for the first year. Um, there's a lot of things that my care team, my doctors did not need that they said they needed. One of them is to weigh me. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need that. Mm-hmm. They didn't need it. They didn't need to bring it up. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. we couldn't even have the conversation. It wasn't even on their minds, um, until things started to be in person again. So feeling really grateful for that time too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you have a beautiful way of sharing and it's like, keeps putting a picture in my head. So that's what I was picturing sitting at home, feeling very safe from my own doctors. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And isn't that unfortunate? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I love that this time gave people more accessibility. There were plenty of people that had been fighting for years to not have to work inside an office and be able to do the work that they do. And it, it became a big privilege thing where then everyone is given this. And then many, you know, workforces realized, oh, like we should have been listening to our, you know, disability community that's been fighting for this for so long. And of course this, this can be done. And there's a lot of privilege and frustration within that. But like you said, a lot of really good has come out of it for people that do prefer that way. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I'm a hugger. Um, I'm the person that will like smile at you and tell you, I love your dress. So it was very hard for me to not touch, to not be touched, um, to not smile and for people to know that I was smiling because I love to smile. Like, I just like to be nice. Like, it's just, I was a camp counselor for many years as a teen and that's just my personality. So that, that was very, very hard for someone like me, but I love how much it helped people who have different types of personalities to, to flourish. So that made me happy as well. Mm. Mm, A more accessible space. It also, because my brain just always keeps going. It makes me think of people who don't even have the internet. Right. Mm -hmm. Or an internet not powerful enough to be in a more modern internet time, like with video. And Mm -hmm. we saw that a lot within the school system. And I I really appreciate living in a state like New Mexico, where it is totally imperfect. Let me state (laughs) that from the beginning. But that they were very clear that they needed to get technology to all children, um, especially in the school district where my child is, before just moving forward with those that had accessibility. And I really, Mm. really deeply appreciated that because it was so, so important. Mm -hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. That gave me a good kind of chills about mm-hmm. New Mexico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, find, I find lots of reasons to be grateful to be here. And you're right. It is not perfect. Not even close. Nope. <laughs> and I still feel grateful. Agreed. Um, I felt agree. safe here. Yes. In this, this pandemic. Is- and that makes a big, that's a privilege in a pandemic to mm-hmm. feel safe. Yeah, that's what made me fall in love. My parents live in El Paso, so like four and a half hours south. It's not even that far. And every time I talk to my mom, she's like, oh, you're governor. Your governor's just so on it. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and that's, that's when I became president of like, don't you take her. Don't you take her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. She, but it, it, I agree with you that it is. it has been a challenge having kiddos during this pandemic. I had a baby during the pandemic. Like my wow. oldest turned one the month that we started hearing about it. And then I had a baby three months later. And so it's been like my husband and I have talked about this, like were we lucky that our kids were born during this so they didn't know what they're missing out on? Like one's had a birthday party. The other one's never had a birthday party. Um, or would it be easier if they knew what life could have been? With? Like, it's just, a, it's a weird dynamic for sure. Well, not only that, I, you know, really think about your postpartum experience. I've interviewed a lot of people for the Plus Mommy podcast, sharing their birth stories and postpartum. And that has been, you know, yes, it was very obnoxious to wear a mask while giving birth. And like many of those stories, I'm just like, my heart is just wrenching. But 
but then it was the postpartum and that that there wasn't that infrastructure there to help with postpartum mental health um, connections resources support nurturing nourishing all of that Um, and that really broke my heart so I'm sorry if that was a hard place for you too it actually was better than my first. So I was like you, thank God for mental health medication because I had to have it the second time around. Good. But one thing I actually enjoyed, and I know I'm an introvert. And so in some ways I was really glad, like I had this kid and there weren't like a gazillion people coming to visit. It was nice. just like, here's our new kid. Here's life. Like we just yes. jumped into life really quickly. So that part was nice. And honestly, I felt safer in the hospital than I did at home because it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And so it was like, everything was super secure. So yeah, it, I, I was very, the, very lucky. Yeah. I love the different perspectives, right? Yeah. Like for, for some people, this has been great for other, I mean, we've all had our okay. hard moments through it. Um, but with postpartum, it's really great to hear that your experience with it was a positive one. That makes it me was, really happy. I was really, mm. really lucky. Absolutely. Mm. Thinking about the people element and just the presence of others that you were both just talking about, it also made me think of sending children to daycare and to school and the trust that you have to have in the experience there. If they're taking a bus and back, uh, dropping them off, picking them up and not having eyes on them during the day. Yes. Just thinking a lot about safety and security and how you know, knowing that it's okay and that it's going to stay okay and nothing's coming to mess with that hasn't really necessarily been available. And that must be really tough. Just sort of sitting with that, not, not just for myself, but for people who are not myself. Yeah. Yeah. Our kids went to daycare and I think it was a very hard decision, had a lot of pushback about it from family, but it was the decision that was best for us, but it's a hard decision to keep them home. It's a hard decision to to put them somewhere too. Absolutely. Yeah, as a full-time blogger and podcaster in January of 2020, um, Dove flew me out for this huge event in New York. It wasn't a huge event, but for an event in New York, it was this huge moment for me. And I felt like finally, after doing this work for almost a decade, like things are changing and Dove flew me out for this thing. And I, I stayed up all night one night in New York um, after the event was over and my flight got canceled. And I was in Times Square at like four o'clock in the morning. I walked for hours. It was this like magical experience. And I was like, this is the beginning. This is what I've been waiting for. And then <laughs> what happened a few months later and I have the privilege as someone who's self-employed um, to work from home and then my child's at home and these long lists of projects and mm-hmm. dreams and brand connections that I had finally had because I've been doing this work since 2011 and for so long brands wanted nothing to do with people in larger bodies and now all of a sudden there you know a lot more outreach a lot more uh recognition of where things have lapsed uh especially with representation of not only people of color and black people but people of size uh and then I became like a a stay-at-home mom which a stay-at-home parent which for some people that is their joy uh, not mine. I love being Brayden's mom, but I never wanted to be a full-time parent. So mm-hmm. that was very, very hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone a teacher. Oh my goodness. Any teachers <laughs> listening? I love you. Thank you for all you do. I, I can't even thank you enough. Yeah. 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 They're amazing. They're sincerely, I, I can't imagine nurses and teachers throughout all of right. this. Like I just have such profound respect. Absolutely. Yep. And gratitude, underpaid, underpaid and doing mm-hmm. the hardest of the work. The hardest things. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what you were just talking about, right. These brands and, and, and it's finally changing is making me think of the next question, which is the second half of the podcast title, which is the rest of us. I'm curious what the rest of us means to you, how you identify within the rest of us, and if you could share your pronouns and privileged identities in context here too. Sure. I'm, you know, self-identify pronouns she, her as a woman, a female, um, 
I really have worked hard in my work, especially with plus size birth around inclusivity of language, because I understand that not only people who self-identify as women become pregnant. So you'll see a lot of language on plussizebirth.com, pregnant people. I wrote a book that came out in um, 2016, my plus size pregnancy guide. And in 2020, a blessing of the pandemic, I rewrote the whole thing to be inclusive with language. So that has always been important to me within my work of plus size pregnancy that when people came to my website they saw themselves represented because for so long there wasn't much body diversity it was always thin white women shown on pregnancy magazines pregnancy ads um so while i exist in a large body i am a white woman too so that has always been something that i've been aware of working on that privilege and making sure that i'm bringing in not only stories of people um of color and black people and people who identify in different ways but imagery too has really yeah. been something that has always been lacking with diversity in pregnancy, but especially for those with larger bodies. So mm. I'm always learning. I mess up and that's okay. And I work harder along to learn, to do better. Um, you know, I've struggled sometimes with, oh, my, my podcast is plus mommy, but there's a space for that, right? There's people who identify as plus size moms and want to have certain conversations, but plus size birth has been a place where I've really honed in on making sure that that language is very inclusive. Um, and it's been a journey and I'm really, I'm really glad that I've taken that, that step and gone down that path. And it's, you know, only opened up my eyes to different ways that I can support people and provide resources that help people feel great in their bodies. And that's a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I loved hearing you not just talk about it as a static thing, but as a dynamic thing, always be learning and unlearning, oh, yeah. uh, challenging yourself, um, and also asking other people to do better. Putting media out into the world is a demonstration. Um, and that felt really important just to hear you talk through and go through. And it's a noticeable change. I want you to know that I can see the difference. It's a noticeable change. Thank you. It's wonderful. Um, it's part of my why I'm fangirling. <laughs> I hope it's okay that I keep saying that. I'm just really in awe of you always. Um, and it's just really special to have a conversation with you. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so if you had to define the rest of us, what would you name as the rest of us or who are the rest of us? Yeah. I mean, I, there's a million different ways that we could break this down. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel, um, you know, I walk through the world and am treated different because of the way that I look. Mm -hmm. Yet I also hold a lot of privilege with the color of my skin. You know, I've built my own business. There's a lot of privilege with that financially and accessibility. And I've had the mentors. My mom is an entrepreneur. I grew up in a, you know, Southern California. So I think it's complex. I don't want to just say, well, I exist in a marginalized body, so I'm part of the rest of us when I still have privilege within my marginalizations, but I do identify with the rest of us because I, I don't just walk through the door and not out the door and not realize that people look at me in a way that doesn't always feel good. And clearly online, I take so much um, harassment and it's exhausting. Um, but even just the other day when I was uh, doing an Instagram story, I, I acknowledged that I still have so much privilege when I'm being attacked by trolls because they're only commenting on the size of my body and that's it and not the color of my skin or so many other or my abilities or so many other things. So um, I, I think it's not an easy thing for me to answer. It's something that I'm always working on. I also find um, something that's really important to me is meeting people where they're at because I like to pull in allies and I like to educate and I do that on a personal level and professionally. Like I really want people to understand who don't exist in larger bodies, what it's like to have that experience. So we're helping to break down some of these stereotypes and bring more allies in. So yeah, I think it could go in a multitude of ways, but for me, it's, it's mm -hmm. knowing that it, it, things are different and a lot of people know what it feels like to be othered and why not make that a positive thing where it's the rest of us and we have a space <laughs> and we have a voice and 
and life can be beautiful within that. And we can also identify, you know, common struggles as well. That was a great answer. You said you didn't know how to answer, but that was fantastic. Um, Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for making sure that got asked. I was too busy fangirling. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I think that you, you said it pretty clearly. You live in a marginalized body. Yeah, you have privilege, but that's the nuance of the rest of us, this intersectionality, right? Like fat and white versus fat and black or, you know, fat and disabled or fat, you know, like the whole gamut, right? And I think you answered that perfectly. Thank you. I love that. And I actually felt that in my body in a rather calm way. Yeah. That it just really landed and resonated. It, I mean, it can be intimidating. I've stood in front of, you know, 150 labor and delivery nurses as someone who exists in a very large body mm-hmm. and talked about how people of size are treated during pregnancy. And I know that there's a percentage of people in that room that feel like there's nothing wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And that can be really hard, but it's also really empowering because yeah. I hope that when I'm done, when I was out in the world doing public speaking, um, that people walk away with with hopefully a little bit of change in their hearts and an understanding of what it's like to exist in a larger body and access healthcare in general, let alone all the other marginalizations that people face um, mm-hmm. accessing healthcare as well. Um, and I've I've had some amazing experiences where I've seen direct change occur that has been fantastic, and I just continue to put myself out there and in hopes of just moving things forward inch by inch. I've been doing this for over a decade and I feel like there's finally shifts happening um, because of so many people that have been doing a lot of work longer than me and even, you know, much newer than me. It's exciting to see the TikTok advocates of the world, these young people (laughs) just saying how it is. And I have so much hope for the future um, that things will get better but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Then I, then I watch the news and I don't know so much, but I'm going to keep working and moving forward because it's important. Mm, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, speaking of your podcast and all the work that you've done, how has hosting a podcast about by and for fat people enhanced your connection with your embodiment? What learning and unlearning feels like it was only possible because of the space that you hold with others on the Plus Mummy podcast? I love that question. And I was, I was thinking of it as I was showering before (laughs) connecting (laughs) with y'all for the podcast. Like, what has that journey been like for me? Because I originally started as a blogger in 2011. And then in 2018, we launched the podcast because, you know, this is my full-time job. So it's not only the work and advocacy work that I do, but this is my business. So I saw media shifting to audio and video. So I knew that I either needed to go with video and a YouTube channel or audio and podcasting. And um, my husband, Chris, had really been pushing for podcasting. And he is a musician and has, um, you know, editing background and equipment. So it felt like, okay, let's, let's try this. And we had no experience with it whatsoever. And we just went for it. And I'm so glad that we went for it because it really allowed me, someone who's spent so many years talking (laughs) and sharing and educating to really step back and to listen and Mm -hmm. to bring on voices and people and stories that I'd always longed to hear. And so I, you know, hand select nearly all of my guests. I hardly take any pitches. Um, And I, I will research people who I bring in where that's appropriate. But for most of the time, when it's someone's story, I'm just sitting back and listening and asking questions like I would if we were at a coffee shop together. And I'd be Mm. like, oh, but tell me more about this. And it's so organic for me because of my past work history to be able to facilitate conversations. But it's given me this opportunity to really to sit and hear and to allow other people's experiences to be highlighted and hopefully give them a a platform too, where they can, you know, share their work as well and have growth for them. And it's been a really joyful experience. And for me, it's been that listening thing that I had spent so long talking to sit back and to listen was, was needed and powerful. And I mean, the podcast is like over 200,000, 250,000 downloads. I don't know. It's something bananas. It's been a great journey. Um, and I just uh, am glad we took it. It's also given me an opportunity to not just talk about pregnancy. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> with plus size birth, it's given me mm-hmm. an opportunity to dive into so many other topics that I felt um, I was sharing on social media and they were resonating with so many people like, oh, you know, my kids said, you know, mommy, how'd you get so fat? Well, how did I unpack that conversation? Or I want to go get a Brazilian wax. And someone else shared this story. I, I, I'm not quite there, but maybe one day But they shared as an esthetician what it's like to give and do a Brazilian wax in a larger body. And that was so rad. And so I'm, cool. I'm so glad I went down that path. Um, and it's been it's so well received, which is so awesome. Mm. That's awesome. I love the idea of this podcast being a way for you to listen more. I think that's why I enjoy this podcast so much is that I can listen to myself talk. I love that we have these opportunities to interview people like you, other people who really inspire us and just learn. I think it helps my embodiment. I know it helps Jen's too. I think it's just a really, it's just such a gift to be able to just listen. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm. Um, how, what does listening feel like when you're embodied and you're listening? I'm very curious because I did not believe I was a good listener and something having a podcast is teaching me that you You're have such to be a good listener. <laughs> Thank you. Siobhan teaches me this all the time too. Um, so and, I, and I trust you, Siobhan, <laughs> when you say I'm a good listener, I trust you, right? That takes a lot. It's a lot for me to offer, to be like, okay, <laughs> thank you. And just like, take that on. But it's making me curious what it feels like for you to be an embodied listener, right? A person who is embodied in whatever way while listening. To be very present. And as like my work, I'm like, oh, shiny new object. Wait, I got, oh, I got a ping over here and a bing over there. And, and, but for the hour, 45 minutes or however long it is, I'm just present and listening and genuinely curious, like in my bones, like, what do I want to know? What do I want to feel? What, what do I think my listeners would want me to ask? Uh, and so I would say that, 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 that's how I would answer that. Mm, curious in my bones. I love that. that. There is the curiosity, invitation, choice. They have a really specific way of sitting as like deep, deep, deep in embodiment. I love that. Exactly. And I'm, I'm getting chills. I've gotten a lot of chills in this conversation um, because I really am feeling it, taking it on, letting it land. So I, I, I appreciate that. And thanks for letting me, let me ask that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you mentioned your blog plus size birth earlier and inclusive language that you have there. Um, how is your experience advocating for fat pregnancy and expanding agency and autonomy on that blog changed your experience of embodiment? If it has, what have you found that we can learn and or unlearn from each other surrounding the stereotypes of birthing while fat or just birthing? Oh, so much. Let's go with the first part of it. <laughs> and then we'll then you'll have to remind me of the, the second question. Cause as you're saying this, my my initial thing is like it has just been such um a life-changing experience, but also completely draining and exhausting because I've given my everything to this. I um you know, as someone who got pregnant in a larger body going online in 2010 and not seeing any positive resources, hardly anything, not seeing images of people my size pregnant, maybe someone with their head cut off. I mean, it was really like not Mm -hmm. seeing myself struggling to find clothes that even fit my body, Mm -hmm. um, worrying what things would be like in a medical facility and how I would be treated and how my body would be exposed, all of that. And then I had that wonderful midwife who I mentioned earlier. And then I had an incredible midwife for my, my birth. I wanted an unmedicated birth and I totally respect anyone who wants all the meds or none of the meds, but I was honestly terrified of not having control of my body. Mm. So I wanted to be in control at all times. So I did not want an epidural and I was able to have a really empowered and transformative birth because of the midwife, Moggy, that was there for my birth and she didn't leave. And Mm. I think you both would appreciate the story. She was actually supposed to leave. She was supposed to go to a friend's birth and she just said, there's something about this woman. I, I need to stay. And Moggy, when it was time for my son to be born, said, climb up on the bed on your knees and birth your baby. And I was on my knees, which was a very just empowering stance. And my husband Mm -hmm. um, reached between my legs and caught our son. And then the baby was passed through onto my chest. And it was so 
changing, mm-hmm. changed everything for me. Like, how could I ever again hate a body that could do something so magnificent? Mm-hmm. And so when braiding was about four months old, I started my work having no idea what it was to blog. I was just like, why aren't there more positive stories? Surely it could not have been the first fat woman to have a vaginal birth, but there's not a lot of stories out there. Uh, And so I started writing and it took off and this was before Instagram. So Facebook blew up and the trolls were even worse back then. It was like, how (laughs) dare I talk about how fat people can have healthy pregnancies? (laughs) It was like, wait, I'm wait. It just didn't make sense to me how I was being attacked. Um, Mm. And it's been a lot. And I became a certified childbirth educator. I now this is my whole career and my whole life that I've dedicated to this and it's been exhausting and my family has had to sacrifice so much for us to get to this point um but it has been a beautiful journey and I mean my website I think it's like over seven million page views like it's really impacted a lot I've collaborated with the National Institutes of Health on their pregnancy for everybody initiative and was flown out to speak on campus at the NIH campus and I've had all these amazing, incredible experiences, but it has taken a massive toll on, on me. And I don't think that that actually comes up much. So when you ask the question, I'm like, I'm just going to be honest, like I'm tired (laughs) and I'm so Mm -hmm. thankful that there are now more people and more voices in this space. Like there's a lot of new, awesome Instagram pages focusing on fat and pregnant and other, you know, spaces on TikTok too. And it's, it's so, so incredible to see the growth and the reach and to see doulas and a doula is someone, if you don't know, that provides educational, emotional, and physical support to people during pregnancy and postpartum, you know, doulas that self-identify as size friendly and like all care providers that are like having it on their website now. And not yeah. to say that I'm the reason for that, but I've worked so hard to help push and to help educate. And, um, and it's been an incredible journey, but um, I'm tired. And <laughs> um, so mm. now it's, it's shifting of, okay, now there's a lot more voices in this space and how can I continue um, this work in a way that has some healthier boundaries around it, but it's been an incredible mm. journey. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing <sighs> this work. And yes. I also wish you didn't have to is something that I was yeah. sitting with while you were saying that. It's always been my goal to no longer be needed. Yeah. Like Me I too. can't wait for the day <laughs> when plus size birth is not needed. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there'll always be the where to find cute plus size maternity genes. Let's still have those resources available, but <laughs> not having to have the uh, resources on how do you advocate for yourself when you're uh, fearful Correct. of being fat shamed by your care provider mm-hmm. or my whole free guide on how do you even connect with a size friendly care provider? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I wish none of that was necessary at all. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I've, I've spent since February, I've been working incredibly hard. So when this episode launches, it'll be live uh, on a week by week free pregnancy um, email newsletter where you'll know Ooh. week by week what to expect during your pregnancy in a larger body because there are so many of those apps and subscriptions it doesn't specifically talk to things that people in larger bodies are faced with. And so that has been something I've always wanted to create. I just didn't make the space for it. And finally I was like, okay, put everything else on pause and work on this plus size pregnancy week by week breakdown. And I'm really proud of it. It's been peer reviewed. It's like over 25,000 words with all evidence-based notated all these studies. And, um, but that's what I've been working on for months while still trying to, hang out with people on Instagram and get the podcast going and doing all of it. Um, but I'm really proud of how, um, how everything I put out in the world, I put a lot of thought and time and care behind it. And I'm, I'm proud of what I've accomplished and so thankful that this has been my journey. Mm. Wow. I'm like emotional right now. So yeah, even before we started recording, like I, I got the guide. I was on your website nonstop and I got pregnant with my, with my first because I was fat and pregnant and never um, had gone through this process before. Yeah. And it was such a gift to like know how to talk to. I had a great OB. I was really fortunate to have a Good. really size inclusive OB here. And um, I just remember just like 
because well, I cried all the time when I was pregnant anyway, but I'm crying because I found your information. I found your site and I just felt so seen. And the idea of like the app, I'm like, I'm not having any more kids truly done, but like how amazing that would have been to have, or the guy, like, this is what you expect this week. And it's not like, and you should gain this much, or you shouldn't do this, or you should eat this, or you shouldn't like right. all the other ones do now. Um, or the size, you know, the clothes recommendations of things that are not going to fit me even when I'm not pregnant, you know, like it's just, it was just such a gift and I'm going to fangirl one more time. And there was an episode that came out on your podcast last year around when Texas was doing the bullshit abortion stuff. I mean, they're always doing bullshit abortion stuff, but they were doing something in September about getting pregnant after having had an abortion. And that was really significant to me because that's my experience too. Um, so I, Mm. and I'm really emotional because it just, you just don't get seen Thank in the spotty when it's around childbirthing um, or re- repro- uh, I got really worked up. Re- reproduction. Uh, is that a word? Yeah. Sorry. I'm yeah. so emotional. I can't even use words right now. So. No, reproductive <laughs> choice. No, thank you, thank Siobhan. You. That was beautiful. That was actually yeah. my story. I told yeah. my abortion story for the first time publicly and I had yeah. always wanted to, mm-hmm. and I had always been cautioned by people not to. Um, yeah you know, my, my work with plus size birth, I always wanted it to be approachable to everyone. I am a very strong liberal feminist, um, but I knew that I wanted to work on how to even be treated with dignity by a care provider to, to reach someone who was conservative and pro-life, um, because it wasn't about my core values. It was about how do we even tell people that they deserve to become a parent if they want to, regardless of their size. So that had always been something really important to me with plus size birth. And that's why I've loved the plus mommy podcast so much because it's more about me and the plus mommy Instagram is more about me. And then Mm -hmm. plus size birth remains way more open to really anyone in a larger body who becomes pregnant. Uh, It was scary to put that story out there. I did not share it on Facebook because I knew what would happen. (laughs) I only, I did not share it in an Instagram post. I still have been thinking about it, especially with what's happening currently in the world. Um, But I shared it on the podcast and I knock on all the wood. I did not get attacked. My podcast did not get inundated with negative reviews. And I shared it via Instagram stories. And I heard from so many people like you that were like, this is my story too. And thanks for helping me to feel seen. And I, I think that's the core of who I am. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, I started volunteering and that was my parents thing is you, you volunteer, you get back and then you can get a job if you want your senior year of high school. But until then you volunteer. And so that kind of just cultivated who I am. And then my career before that was I worked for the leading end-of-life advocacy organization, um, Compassion and Choices for Death with Dignity and getting those laws passed and managing a you know, nationwide volunteer team. So I spent so much time learning and giving and doing, and now to be able to do that on my own with my own work has been really incredible, but also scary because it's just me and putting something like that out there. Yeah could be terrifying, but it wasn't. And mm-hmm. I, I'm so thankful has made a difference. So I'm really touched by what you said. Thank you. Thanks. And like Jen said, I'm sorry. I'm grateful for all that you've done. I'm sorry you're exhausted. And it's, it's what happens with people who are marginalized, who have to do all of this emotional labor. Yeah. You're exhausted. Like, yes, I hope you can get the rest that you need. Really <laughs> One of these years. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's not just a passion project. It's who you are and it's your life. You're always, you can't check out necessarily while Mm -hmm. doing that work because it is so intertwined with your actual life. I just have a lot of compassion for that. Um, and I think you already answered this, um, but I'm going to the second part because you told me to remind you, I can't, I knew I'd I'd be a little long-winded with the first. No, no problem. You have the second. (laughs) I just want to make, I feel like you answered this a little bit, but I'm just going to do it again because maybe with the specificity of it, it might uh, land in a different way. What have you found that we can learn and unlearn from each other surrounding the stereotypes of birthing while fat? Oh, so much. And I think that's, yeah, that's a different answer. Okay. Um, I think one of the things that I love so much about my work is when people come to me and they're like, you know, I became a parent because of you. And this is because of you. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I just put resources out in the world. I did not birth your baby. And so it's really important to me. And one of my favorite things is to give people back their power. 
I mean, like mm. you sought out these resources, you did the hard work, you advocated for yourself. Like mm. I just put the information out into the world. You did all the hard work. And I feel like for many of us in larger bodies, we give away our power so often and we give it to other people uh, and we don't feel represented. And so that's been the beauty of my work is like share your maternity pictures if you take them or share mirror selfies, just take photographs and you don't even have to share them, but take these images of your body, touch your belly with love, talk to your body with love, talk to your baby, like tune into your body, unlike maybe you ever have before. And this is this prime opportunity, but how do we continue to have this conversation once this baby is no longer inside your body? Like, how do you continue to love and embrace a body that society tells you is wrong? Mm. And being a plus size parent has a whole other layers on it, just like plus size pregnancy. So I think the more that we can love ourselves and show ourselves and feel represented, the more we start to shift the narrative of what it is like to be plus size and pregnant and that it isn't these polarizing shows on TLC, that it's actually the majority Uh of the population (laughs) in the United States, over 60% of people in their childbearing years who can become pregnant are classified as the two O words we don't like, so I don't even need Mm -hmm. to say, but we know that it's the majority. And of that, 36% are in that higher classification. So um, 36%, that's a pretty big number there. Um, So why do we treat people so horribly? And that Mm. really needs to change. And that changes by us individually displaying ourselves pregnant on our social media feeds with smiles and living our best lives without shame. And people realize, oh, wait, yeah, people of all sizes and colors and abilities and shapes, they all get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they don't. And people struggle with infertility and PCOS. And how do we create space for those people too who are struggling? So yeah, it's it's a lot. But I think just showing up and knowing that it's safe to show up in certain spaces, if you're not ready to do it publicly yet, you can do it in my little bubble and we can do it together and feel empowered and then help to shift how people view plus size pregnancy and plus size parenting. Thank you for being a safe place for other people to land while they practice and learn that for themselves. I sure try. I sure try. And it's been an honor. Like I, I've been so touched by the response that I've gotten throughout these years. I think it's why I still, I still hang in there and do what I do because it feeds my soul to be able to help people feel great about themselves and to help people know that they are worthy of dignified health care and that they can have outcomes so vastly different from what you read about online, primarily from medical resources. And it's so frustrating. Like the, when, if you Google fat and pregnant, the Mayo Clinic comes up first with like all this negative words. So I'm working, I do a lot of work around search engine optimization for my website. Mm. I'm like, I gotta go above them, but I don't know that I will, but I'm sure trying. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And for prompting me to remind you, because I would not have remembered. So thank you. (laughs) That's great. We've talked a lot about the big and small picture perspectives in this conversation. What do you think we can all do to make a difference with what we have learned today? I mean, I think it's a lot about what I just said about like showing up in whatever way feels good and is comfortable for you, whatever you're at along a journey to like parenthood or no parenthood, like just just walking through the world and showing up in whatever feels safe to you starts to become so life-changing. You know, there's these like, well, you got to do all these things to like love yourself. No, like, yeah, there's a lot of little tips and tricks I could share, but sometimes it's just as simple of like walking out the door, wearing a dress without leggings underneath. If, if that's something, you know, for you, or it's, um, you know, cutting your hair short if you have always had it long but mm. felt like you couldn't have short hair or it's just simply saying something nice to yourself every day but you don't have to do it all and you don't have to do it in a certain order you just want to keep showing up and I think you'll be amazed by what happens um and then one thing that I think is really important for parents too it's like we advocate so hard for our little ones like for our, the pediatrician that they see making sure that someone isn't you know 
fat shaming our child in the office. And yet we don't always do the same advocacy for ourselves. So, Mm. you know, fighting for ourselves as hard as we fight for our children, for our best friends, for our moms, for our sisters, because we are so deserving of dignified health care. And that's a huge platform of mine because so much is missed, right? When we don't go to the doctor because we're afraid. And for me, it was last year with skin cancer. Like I wasn't going to the doctor forever. And there was a thing on my head and it turned out to be cancer. Like It literally turned out to be cancer. And yes, it was skin cancer. And yes, it was very treatable and, and it's fine now, but, um, but it could have been so much worse if I hadn't realized that I was worth it. And I'm someone that teaches people how to advocate for themselves. And I hadn't gone to the doctor for two years Mm -hmm. because of how I'd been treated. So it's always a continuous journey, but I want everyone listening to hear that you're worth the journey. You're worth the fight and you're worth having that ability. And it doesn't even have to be the word love. It can just be self-acceptance. Whatever it is that you can walk through the world and not hate yourself, I think is really, really important. And if you're at that place where you hate yourself, that's okay too. Like we all just need to meet each other where we're at and keep taking baby steps forward. And it is a lifelong journey, but again, it's worth the journey. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay, Jen. Thank you. (laughs) I'm like taking notes. Um, Absolutely. Um, I appreciated the permission for everyone to do things their own way. Part of the stigma that exists, healthcare with bodies and on and on, um, is that there is a way to do it and we are not doing it or we already didn't do it or they they just know by the way that we look that we're not going to be able to do it, right? Whatever that shit is. Um, I was really sitting in... Um, I've always loved that phrase, meeting people where they're at, but actually I hadn't until this moment just been like meeting myself where I'm at. I've never like phrased Mm. it quite like that. Um, So journal topic, (laughs) because I'm like, what does it mean to meet myself where I'm at? There's this app, it's called Finch. This is not an advertisement for the app. I'm just obsessed with it. Um, Where it's like you date, you like check in with this little, it's called a wobble. It's this little like bird creature um, that you interact with, but it's in engaging with yourself. The visual is a bird, but it's actually all about you. Um, And it's the first one of those that is like that. Like it's often, let's go to Animal Crossing and take care of our things we've created in there. This one is, okay, thanks for checking in. Reminder that you said this about yourself. And it's a lot of reflection and like space holding. So I was actually just thinking, I want to go into the app and say that, um, meet myself where I'm at. Cause I, I can create daily goals. Hmm. Um, and this little thing goes on adventures and stuff too, and comes and tells you about it. It's freaking cute. I don't, I don't know why no one ever, t- I forgot who told me about it, but anyway. I've never heard of this. But I was just <laughs> thinking about that. I've been doing it for only one week. That's it. That's all I've been doing. I'm talking about like I've been doing it for a long time, but it's been one week, but already I'm like, I'm going to be doing this every day for a very long time because it doesn't feel like I'm doing work with myself, but I'm doing an incredible amount of work. Cause I like think about it outside of, it's like five minutes. I think maybe maximum I do every day, but it, there's just something about that. And I, as you were saying, like baby steps, I was like, yeah, I only do like five minutes on this app, which really surprised me because everything else is so like, keep checking in. There's one called Wobot. That's like, how are you today? And you have to be like, I'm just tracking mood. Like, they're like, oh, okay, are you sure? Like, there's always like some sort of thing that makes me feel a little shameful for not continuing. But this one is like, thank you, see you later. I'm going on an adventure, see you in six hours or whatever. Like, it's just very cute. So um, (laughs) gamifying something will work for my brain. That's why I went straight to that spot. Um, But whatever that means for anyone, like just meeting yourself where you are, even if it's like, I will lay in this bed for another five minutes, like whatever, whatever it is um, that just was, it's very empowering to me. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to name that part specifically that was really sticking with me. No, I love Mm -hmm. it. I think like for me, an example has been like, oh, I deserve to be safe when I'm flying okay, Mm. I don't need to pretend like I'm wearing a seatbelt. It's okay for me to ask for an extender. And then like slowly reaching my hand up and doing the, you know, flight attendant button and then asking. And the first time I did that, they actually forgot and I didn't remind them. And so then the next time being like, okay, 
I'm going to ask when I walk on, which is Mm -hmm. scary because, you know, who might be listening? Mm -hmm. And then that was hard the first time. And then the next couple of times being like, I don't care who's listening. I need an extender. I need to be safe. I want to be comfortable. Why would I like, and now getting to the point where I, you know, make a video on how to flying well fat using a customer size policy where I get two seats and I videotape the whole thing. And like, it gets 2.5 million plays. Like, could I have done that the first step? Heck no. Heck no. You can't go right to like sharing that whole experience. It took years of me like advocating for myself, even, you know, starting off with hiding the seatbelt, pretending like it was clicked when it wasn't. And it's, it's a long process, but whatever it looks like for you, whether it's an app where you're checking in on yourself or it's a, no, I deserve to have a seatbelt that fits today and asking for the extender or getting in an Uber and realizing that the seatbelt doesn't fit and saying, actually, this doesn't work for me. Like that I think could be my next step because I haven't Mm -hmm. done that before. And I still have pretended like it fits, which I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why am I still doing these things? But like I said before, it is a continuous journey and wherever you're at with your journey, that's awesome. Mm. So not just meet yourself where you're at, but it's okay where you're at. Yes. Thanks Mm -hmm. for that. It's really hit like a, it really did. Special spot. I had to dance for a second. I like it. (laughs) Same. So Jen, other Jen from Jen, uh, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, As we finish up this episode today, what would you like everyone listening to know about what you're up to and how they can find you? And what direction do you see your career and work taking in the future? You've talked about this a little bit, but I want to give you a spot for this to just really be dedicated to that. Yeah. So for anyone who's trying to conceive or pregnant, everything is over on plussizebirth.com and the Instagram there. I love um, just really displaying other people's pregnancy photos and celebrating pregnant bodies. And then I do a lot of educational reels over there that I try to make a little fun too. Um, And all about, you know, just having a plus size pregnancy that looks different than many of the resources you'll find online and how to have, um, you know, connect with that size friendly care provider, where to find those clothes that fit, how to advocate for yourself, um, how to feel good in your body, how to approach nutrition in a different way, how to find joyful movement, you know, all those things that are so important for people of all sizes during pregnancy. And I do a lot of that normalizing, like there is no one thing that only plus size people incur during pregnancy. Uh, not even stigma. You know, we we look at the mortality rate for um, you know black people during pregnancy and children, and it is astronomical and horrifying and so tragically sad. Yeah. So, doing all I can to help raise awareness to many different issues that people in marginalized bodies face during pregnancy. And I do that over on plussizebirth.com. And then for um, parenting, lifestyle, all of that good stuff. Um, and a lot of Jen, a lot of Jen over on Instagram at Plus Mommy. Um, and the podcast is the Plus Mommy podcast. So um, th- that, again, has just been really great to be able to connect with people I admire and have amazing opportunities like I've had with you lovely humans today. Like, it's just been an extension um, of what I do and what I love and a lot more of me um, versus plus size birth being a lot more of education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my ultimate goal is obviously put myself out of business, which, you know, is not something most people say, but um, <laughs> I I would really love to, to, to do things that I haven't been able to do for a decade. Like it would be amazing to have a documentary on plus size pregnancy that isn't fat phobic, right? I would love to have a plus size maternity clothing line, like thinking really big, that's far more inclusive and um, not just frilly patterns or like, or just black. Like I loved when Torrid went up to his success with maternity, but it was primarily all black. I'm like, Mm -hmm. come on. Like, yes, everyone (laughs) loves a pair of black leggings, but not everyone just wants to wear clothing that's black. Like we want to wear bold colors too. And some people don't, and some people do, but Mm -hmm. give us some colors too. (laughs) Um, you know, so I have a lot of big dreams, but at the end of the day, I just hope I create spaces where people feel seen and heard and safe and that they can learn how to be their own best advocates. And that is what brings me joy at the end of the day. Oh. We both did it. 
And I'm like, I'm hugging the feeling that that gave me. Mm-hmm. That's what I was just doing. I was just like mm-hmm. hugging it. Wow. I feel seen uh, and heard. I feel seen and heard. Definitely. Um, I do too. Thank you all. <laughs> um, it was an was honor to hold this wonderful. space with you. Honor. Such a gift. Thank I've you. been excited about this one for months. <laughs> I was like, we got it. <laughs> yes. This has been huge. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, um, Thank you for the space you held for me personally. I really appreciated that. That was huge, actually. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Sorry, I interrupted. That's fine. I was just going to say thanks for letting us see you too. Yeah. Yes. Your vulnerability, your honesty is really, really refreshing. And we're really honored that you would even share that with us. Yes. Thank you. I think being transparent has always been something really important to me because when I started this work, I didn't see any representation (laughs) of my journey. So then I created this space and I always just wanted to be honest and be me and who I am. And, um, which has sometimes been really hard, right? I've pushed myself to share pretty much every skeleton in my closet, (laughs) like literally, um, (laughs) Um, but that is also freeing too. And I, you know, I think being raised by an entrepreneur and doing so much volunteer work and working in the nonprofit sector for over a decade and then building my own business, it's like, I just want to put good in the world and I just want to, to make a difference. And that's just who I am. And, uh, it's not always easy. And I will be honest that I am so tired. Um, but I'm going to keep fighting because it's just, how things are still to this day just make me really sad. And I, I wish things could change faster for people in marginalized bodies and, Mm. and it's not. And so I just want to be part of that change in whatever little way I can be. Mm. I look forward to when you can really take a rest. Yes. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. I do too. I love and at the that. same time, I look forward to new things coming too. That's not yeah. <laughs> and you know, you were, you were, you told us at the beginning, like, I'm really concise and I'm just really uh, hearing in what you're saying that it's the transparency aspect. If there's nothing to hide, there's not anything to talk around. Um, and I'm just sitting and realizing within your writing that is there too. And I'm just feeling, I don't write or talk like that. I consider myself transparent, but that's not how it shows up for me. So I was just like, just sitting in kind of awe of that and how, how grateful I am, um, that you are willing to do that. Because if I tried to do it, I don't think I'd really get anywhere except the exhaustion part, like not to the rest of it. (laughs) So I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling super grateful for you, for your presence, for your words, for all of it. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Absolutely. It keeps me going strong. It's the, <laughs> the community that keeps me working hard because it, it, there are, there's change and there's beauty and there's, you know, just that person who does ask for the extender and that's coming up because it's, you know, yeah. focusing mm-hmm. right now happening in my bubble, but like the messages I get being like, I'm traveling and I'm going to get an extender this time. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that makes me want to cry. And I've also said like, when I stop feeling emotional, when I get those responses, then it's time for me to step away because Mm. then it's no longer my passion project. And then it just became a job. And I've always been someone who wants to work towards change. And I, I get to do that every day and it's amazing. Oh, wow. Mm. Thank you again so much for, I know I'm like, I just, that, that was like a laughter for me of just like pure feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. This has been such a gift. Sincerely. Thank you. Thank you so much for the work that you both do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to season two of the embodiment for the rest of us podcast. Episodes will be published every two weeks ish because let's be real here, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find the podcast at our website, embodimentfortherestofus.com and follow us on social media on both Twitter at Embodiment Us and on Instagram at Embodiment for the Rest of Us. We look forward to being with you again next time in conversation.